Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Advice from a Call Center Geek, the Call Center and Contact Center podcast. We try to give you some actionable items to take back in your contact center, improve the overall quality, improve your agent experience, hopefully improve the customer experience as well. My name is Tom Laird. I'm the CEO here at Expedia Interaction Marketing. How's everybody doing? Uh, it is cold here in uh, in Northwestern PA. I love to give my uh, I guess my weather update. I wanted to get into some things. I've gotten a lot of leads, which is awesome for people that are looking to 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 move their contact center either to the cloud, move to another platform, and you know are asking for some help from a consulting side. And the cool thing is, I've even talked to a couple companies that are setting up their contact center for the first time, or maybe they had just like, you know, one channel, they were a startup, they did, they did email or just a form to, to do their customer support. But now they want to roll out and start to do a full, you know, full meal deal contact center, you know, with that, that 10 to 20 reps. So really cool stuff that I like to kind of think about and then, and kind of go back to even when we started and some of the things in the, cause again, as most of you guys know, we started as a startup. So there was a lot of pitfalls and things, you know, moving from a, a premise-based device, which which was you know robust, and we had thousands of agents on it, to now moving to the cloud when we didn't really know what we were doing, whatever, 12, 15, 14 years ago, um, and, and, and learning and, and kind of seeing the growth of the cloud, and then what are some of the things that I think are really good and really not. So what I wanted to do today is, is talk about how you can set up a contact center right? Kind of on the cheap, but still high end. Like I know that that's kind of an oxymoron, right? So what are the, I guess we're just looking at the absolute things that you should spend your money on. And then some other things that you don't need to spend your money on that might be a little bit more of a pain in the rear, but you can definitely utilize um, some other tools that maybe are free, right? To, to get through, to get, to get, uh, you know, where you need to be. So when you're first starting out, what should you spend your money on? What are some of the things that are absolute you have to have if you want to be high end, if, if you want to be able to service customers the way that they need to be serviced, but still don't need all the bells and whistles, right, to totally blow your budget out of the water. So, you know, there's a couple things here. Let's let's kind of get into this list. I think it's it's kind of cool. So for, for me, you know, there are so many good cloud telephony providers out there, right, that you know, we, we could go down the list, right. From the, you know, the real high end kind of enterprise guys to, you know, a lot of these like newer companies that, and we say newer, you know, it's probably five years old that are doing a really, really good work and they have easy to use platforms. 
So you don't need the programmer. You don't need that giant staff. Uh, you can get some basic training and, and, and take these platforms, you know, to, to, to really cool levels. So I, I still think that there's no excuse not to be fully omni-channel and move to the cloud because you're paying per seat, right? You're not, you're not having a huge expense, you know, moving forward if, if you're looking to scale and where you are now. So it's kind of pay as you go. So I would get, and, and that's the number one thing I would spend my money on is I would get a platform that has everything that I need now and then roadmap it out to some of the things that you're going to need in the future too. Maybe you can't, you know, you, you, you don't want speech analytics. You don't need workforce management. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But maybe if you, if you grow your company from, you know, or, or the company grows and your internal center goes from 20 to 150 seats, you want to make sure that you know, those tools are available to you, maybe on the platform, or at least understand in your head how you're going to integrate them. So I would say the first things that you need to kind of make sure that you're spending your money on is a full omni-channel tight platform. Understand the expertise that you have in-house. Do you need somebody, you know, from a professional services or from a third party to help you? And and, and understand that when you're, when you're kind of doing that, right? And, and you're choosing your platform. So that can all be rolled in. The other thing that goes with this is what CRM are you using? Are you brand new and you don't have a CRM? Then you know, maybe there's some some easy off-the-shelf things. And when I say easy, they've just done a good job building out. Doesn't mean the platforms aren't robust, but you know, the Zoho's, the Zendesks, and then you know, getting to that enterprise kind of sales force, you know, living in that world um, as well. So, you know, those are some things that again, I, if you're spending your money on, your your blocking and tackling is your CRM. Anything off the shelf, you can easily integrate into your platform. Make sure that that you have that ability, um, and then full full omni channel. The other thing you need to think about that a lot of us don't think about is is again, and I know I kind of just said this a little earlier is is, is what expertise do you have in house? Because there's a lot of things that you need to think about, right? So you know everything, and I, and I wrote some things down from you know porting numbers, you know, routing calls, using the IVR. Um, using the IVR not just as an auto attendant, but maybe from a self-service in, in, in a self-service model, integrating your CRMs or integrating any third-party data into your platform, you know, setting up virtual callbacks, which today is, is pretty darn easy. Um, even recording messages, right? Recording the IVR, you got to think that that stuff through. And and if there's any kind of PCI or, or HIPAA compliance things that that you need to to kind of handle, I think that those are you know some things to to make sure you think about when you're you're choosing the platform. And again. That's where you need to spend your money. That needs to be the number one, the number one kind of deal. The second thing I see a lot of kind of newer companies or even from the contact center side, and mostly if you are an internal call center, you know, the company has their own HR. But if you're a BPO or you know, you are just starting up something, you know, from an HR standpoint, I think that there's some 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 things that you need to kind of look at. Um, you know, we use, you know, we use bamboo HR, right, for for ours. So there's a lot of cloud to cloud providers from an HR standpoint that you, know, you can do very cheap and it's kind of pay on the go, right? So if you have the agent, you're going to pay for them. If you don't, then you don't pay for it. Um, I think that that's you know, really, really important in something from a policy and procedure standpoint. You know, even if you have your HR set up, the contact center policies and procedures are different, right? Than, than financial controller or your finance department or your sales or your marketing. Right. There's certain things that apply directly just to contact centers that you need to make sure if you're just starting um, starting out that you have these policies. Right. 
you know, what are the you know attendance policies? What are some of your work from home policies? Maybe that does tie into your internal. Um, talking about things like after call work, and you know, we have gotten into a big, uh, I don't know, I guess discussions of because we kind of force after call work and force. I guess we should I should say we force availability um, for our agents to go back available. Where a lot of people, I don't know, they think that that's undermining the rep or something. I don't know. Uh, where I'm just trying to give them, if we don't have a lot of wrap up or wrap time or optical work to give them some, a breath, but so thinking all that stuff through and, and, and as I'm saying that, do you think you would be able to handle that with the, the talent that you have in-house or do you need a professional services? Cause there's a lot of people that will handle that. But again, that's a little bit more money. These next things, I don't think you need a platform for, right? When we talk about scheduling and workforce management, right? For me, it's in that 50 to 75 reps and higher that I think you need to start thinking about workforce management. If you are 50 reps or under, I think you can use an Erlang C calculator, right? We have one on ExpediaUSA.com, callcenterhelper.com has a really good one. You can just Google Erlang C. Um, you can find that in that Erlang C calculator will allow you, will help you forecast calls um, or I should say forecast your staffing, right? With the calls that you know that you have coming in. Um, if you don't know your calls, then it, it does become a little bit more difficult. But I think you can estimate based on on some um, what your email is and those types of things to kind of come up with a number at least to start with. Um, and as you start getting your calls in, using that calculator to to staff your intervals appropriately. And, you know, when we were first starting out, so this was, again, 10, 15 years ago. We use that a lot. And that's kind of why I put it on the website because I thought it helped me a ton when we were smaller. You know, now we have, you know, the, the nice CX1 WFM platform and it's got you know, all the forecasting, all the bells and whistles. But I don't think you need that, especially if you're smaller. You can handle an Excel spreadsheet and an Erlang C calculator. I think you're totally fine. From a QA standpoint, you know, a lot of this is, is Google Sheets or Excel or Word are your best friends. Um, you know, we also utilize Monday.com right? For a lot of our checklists, for our supervisors, for anything from a, our, our QA, um, you know, you can utilize it for QA. We have the, the nice CX1 QA platform, but you can set up all the different things that will keep it as a database. So if you have a rep and you have a scoring form, you can score them on a money.com. You can just score them in Excel, right? But sometimes it can be a little bit weird when you start doing a ton of different tabs. But again, you don't need to have the robust QA platform. If any omni-channel platform that you get is going to have call recording, you're going to be able to record calls. Um, if you have your own scoring mechanism, you can score calls using Excel. You can score calls using you know, a third-party platform. You don't have to go out and get that robust platform, especially, again, if you're under 50 seats. I think you can save a lot of money, and I would prefer you to, to beef up your platform than, than to go out and, and kind of get some of the QA stuff that I think you can handle um, there And again, that's the, with the QA, it's the coaching tools too. So maybe even outside of QA, if you're doing your agent analysis, if you're, you're pulling reps once a week and just having a talk, right, keeping them at that in Excel, you know, having an agent tab for each of those that kind of continues, you can definitely do. It might be a little bit, you know, wonky. I keep using that word. I probably shouldn't. But, um, but there's also other tools like third-party tools that you can utilize as well. Um, you know, there's so many things out there internet-wise. That I think even now, because I have not looked in so long because of, you know, the platforms that we have internally. Um, but again, the bottom line is, you know, for when it comes to QA, when it comes to workforce management, when it comes to coaching, you don't have to have a huge 
don't don't make it the excuse like we don't have anything to do that, right? Because everybody has Word, everybody has Excel, everybody has Google Sheets or a Google Doc. And you can definitely do that even with a Google form. Um, make sure that you know you can help and and, and handle your your QA. Um, I want I just want to go back to you know to the HR thing as well, is is making sure that you know you do have the right policies for your organization. I think it's really, really important that you look at the culture of your organization. You know, for us, you know, now everybody's work from home, so there's no dress code. But before, when we were internal, and I know everybody pushes back on this, we did have a dress code, right? We, you know, in the organization, we work for a lot of financial services companies. So we said that, you know, we probably give out more loans and credit cards than a banker does in a day, right? So we wanted to have our reps kind of have that mentality of, you know, this is really, really important stuff that you're doing. And, you know, yeah, we've kind of gone away from that. Listen, I was a suit guy and look at me. I mean, this is for me that I'm really, <laughs> I'm really slumming it, but every single day, you know, wore a suit or at least a shirt and a tie. And and now I'm, I'm kind of here. So again, I think that that's, you know, really the basic kind of deal. I just did a TikTok too on porting numbers, right? When you're starting up, porting numbers can be a real pain in the rear, right? Porting numbers basically means, you know, we, you, you have a, maybe a, a 1-800 number that you have internally. And if you're giving it to another like third party, an outsourcer or an outsourcer is giving you a number you want to own and have that number on your actual platform. Um, you know, you got to make sure you, you dot the T's and cross the, or dot the I's and cross the T's for sure. Um, because anything that is anything that you have wrong on there, they will, they will push back because the, you know, the, those, those carriers do not want to lose their number and they don't want to lose the billing on that, on that number. So, just a, a kind of little quick tip on that. Um, again, routing calls, think that through. Do we need an IVR? Do we need a self-service um, deal? Can we just um, use it for kind of an auto attendant? If that, you probably don't need a professional services. It's pretty easy. Um, integrations. If you're using the Zoho and the Zendesk and you have a cloud, um, if you have a cloud telephony, anything cloud, um, they're going to be very easily be able to integrate with, right? So your CRM, think that through. If you have a proprietary CRM, it should not be that big of a deal, but you're going to have to do a little API programming to, to kind of get that through. Um, again, virtual callbacks, I think every platform now has it. Everybody should be utilizing it. Like, I think that that's just as important as, you know, like an IVR. Like, it's just like, it, it's it just rolls off your tongue. It should be something that everybody has. And it's it's not a... Should we get that? It should be just, yeah, it's just, it's part of our deal now. It's part of how we live our, our call center lives. Um, think about your messaging. Who who wants to be the voice of your brand, right, from an IVR standpoint? And again, looking at PCI and, and, and some HIPAA things when it comes to what, what platforms you have. So I guess the, the, the bottom line here is to boil this down is spend your money on your technology when it comes to the blocking and tackling your CRM, your omni-channel. The things that you do not have to have from a, if you're a smaller contact center is workforce management. Uh, some type of robust QA, um, you know, making sure that you you don't need any type of, of coaching. Uh, it's, those are all cool things to have. Speech analytics, you don't need to have that. To, I think have a world-class center. If you have your service levels, you know what your average channel time, you can benchmark all of that stuff. You can utilize other free tools to kind of do the record keeping of it. You can use calculators that are online from an Erlang C um, to do your workforce management and your scheduling. Um, so again, from an HR standpoint, make sure your policies, procedures are in order. From an omni-channel standpoint, make sure that you can handle and, and you can be omni-channel that, and that you can integrate with your CRM. Um, and then thinking through, do we need professional services? Can we handle a lot of this stuff internally? 
those are some of the things that I would definitely be thinking about when it comes to not only the platform that you choose, but you know, setting something up, um, setting something up as well. Yeah. And so there's Nathan, Nathan here just says he, he rarely, you know, sees the, gets a virtual callback when calling big companies. And, and I agree, you know, I think it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent. You know, every single client that we have, every single skill that we have has a virtual callback, even if, even if we have a 90 10 SLA adherence and, you know, every day we're above 84%, you never know when that spike's going to come. You never know. We we've seen a lot of weird stuff where, you know, a company, maybe they made a mistake and they send out this, you know, 200,000 or 4 million pieces of email that accidentally gets sent out and it has our, the phone number for our customer service center. And so we just get absolutely bombarded. Um, and having those kind of things I think can, can really help at least from the customer experience and, and just dealing with, you know, obviously people not getting ticked off because they're waiting for a half hour um, or longer. A lot of times why you will see people not use virtual callbacks is because they're in such heavy queues that it won't make a difference. So I, I would see the airlines, you know, like Internet, you know, those kind of things that, that have a reputation for huge queues. So what would happen is if even if everybody is if it's noon and everybody from noon on left a virtual callback because so many people called, right? They would never even get through all those calls until let's say they close at 10 o'clock, um, 10 o'clock at night. They wouldn't even be through the noon ones. So everybody would just hear would just kind of, you know, it wouldn't do any benefit. It would probably, you know, probably tick people off even more just because the volume is so massive that the virtual callback um, would work. And then the question was, you know, you know, what whole time do you enable the virtual callback? So it's a little bit different for each client for us, but we normally do it about the two minute, two minute and 30 second mark. And then depending on what the client wants, we will play that, you know, every minute 30 or every two minutes after. Sometimes the client will say, no, hey, we just want it one time and that's it. So I, I think it does matter what your cues are. If you have, we don't really have anything that we ever go really heavy in the queue with because, you know, hopefully we have things staffed appropriately, but you know, if we ever did have real, real, real heavy cues, I would put it back a little bit further. You know, I probably use some analytics to see what, how long people are starting to get ticked off when they hold. But I would probably do that, or you know, maybe I wouldn't go more than five minutes. But I think it, for us, it's been about the two minute mark. That two minutes, two thirty, has been kind of the sweet spot for us on the virtual callbacks. And then on average, I would say, you know, a customer would wait if we're into that kind of queue probably six or seven minutes, you know, after that to, to kind of reach a callback. And again, these are only on really special days, like, you know, the day after Christmas, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, those kind of things were, you know, again, or if, if something went wrong with the company from a marketing standpoint, and again, like I said, they send giant emails out or there's something, you know, going on with that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's about what we would, what we would do in, in, in the, the timing of, of how long. That would be, well, you know what? Let me get back. Here's another question. <clears throat> Can I briefly explain shrinkage in the Erling C calculator and it's important and it's important. So, yeah. So when you talk about shrinkage, you're basically coming into play with, you know, people who are uh, PTO, uh, people that go talk to HR, people that are on break, people that are on lunch, right? All the, the reps that are there, but they're not actually taking calls, right? So, you know, you can't, it's not a black and white thing, right? Just saying, okay, we need 10 reps scheduled from eight o'clock to five o'clock at night. 
And every interval is totally, let's just play this game. Every interval is totally perfect. We just need 10 agents. Well, that's great that you need 10, but you can't just schedule 10 because we're human beings, right? And some people are going to, you might have two or three people off at lunch at one point. You might have, you know, again, two people that need to go see HR. You may have, you know, you're going to have breaks every single hour, you know, maybe three intervals out of every Every hour, there's there's another break. So you, you have all this stuff like, oh, my gosh, well, how do I account for that? And the best way to account for it is to you know have a shrinkage percentage, right? Whether that is you know 10%, 15%, 20% um, based on, for us, the biggest thing for shrinkage, right, is, is call-offs and call-outs, right, and, and accounting for that. Because the other stuff, too, we can manipulate during the day when we can play with things and say, hey, can you take – can you, I know you're scheduled for lunch, but can you, can you give me like 15 more minutes? Because just, we have 30 calls in queue and I got four reps coming back. And if you can wait, like we can play those games um, and WFM can kind of ask and do those kind of things too, you know, but overall for what we do is we take about a 15% uh, shrinkage number. All right. So again, if we, if, and, and I always kind of screw this math up, but if we need 10 reps, right, we're going to go about 15% over that, right? So maybe have you know, roughly one and a half, two reps, depending on the intervals over that, right? So we'll schedule, you know, maybe 12, something like that, right? To make sure that we're at 10, right, for, for all those intervals. And if this just comes really into play when you're really, really trying to get a SLA adherence, right? If you If you don't really care about your SLAs, which everybody should, but I know some companies are like, ah, whatever. If we have a couple of reps off, we have a couple of reps off. Like for me, I can't do that. I'm contractually obligated to hit a 80-30 or a 90-10 or a 71-20 or whatever that is. So we know for different programs, different projects, um, how long reps have been here. Like that's all, all, this, all these numbers are played into our WFM platform. And then we know what our historical shrinkage is for each program. And it automatically calculates that in. If you're just using the Erlang C, you got to start with something. 10%, 20%, 30%, you know, whatever that number is, put that into there. So it schedules kind of over that. And then you kind of tweak it from there based on kind of what you've seen from a historical standpoint. So yeah, the, the bottom line is it's shrinkage should be like the, it's almost like taking into account the human element of, of all of us, right? We're not robots. We can't work. You know, we can't come to work every possible single day. We can't work every single thing perfectly. We have to go to the bathroom. We have to take breaks. We have to talk to HR. We have to get trained. We have to get educated. And it's basically taking those, those kind of off the phone um, you know, instances and making sure that you're, you're still staffed, staffed appropriately. It's a really good question. I know it confuses. It's, it's a little confusing. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are get, get the shrinkage and kind of occupancy um, kind of confused as well because the occupancy then goes kind of to the flip side where, where shrinkage is kind of taking into account if reps are not there, right? And how do we account for that? Make sure that we're staffed appropriately. Occupancy is making sure that we're not keeping them there too long, right? So we're, we're making sure that, you know, if it, it, we're not having reps work and speak and talk like 55 minutes out of the hour and totally burning them out, right? And this kind of goes back into my after call work deal that I, that's been going on on LinkedIn that we've been discussing of, of putting people automatically back in available or, you know, letting them manually go back in available, um, understanding that they need, they need breaks. We want to have our occupancy be about 75% or about 45 minutes out of the hour, kind of in a working state. And then tweaking kind of after call work from there to make sure again, that we're not burning anybody out. Again, we're, we're talking about human beings here 
um, and they have a job to do, but they, they have to breathe and, and be able to kind of just take a second as well. So, yeah, good questions. I, I appreciate that, guys. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, I hope that that was of value to you and, and kind of thinking through maybe even some of the things you're looking to purchase in 2023 from a telephony standpoint. You know, thinking of those things as as budgets get tighter, as maybe if we are in an economic downturn, you know, some of the things that to 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 look to to purchase. But there's a lot of things I think you can do. I don't even say on the cheap, but maybe it takes a little bit more work, but it's definitely more uh, cost effective for sure. So, again, thank you guys very much. Um, And I will talk to all of you next week.